Chris Gowser here with Matt Howell. And on this week of The First Run, we catch up with yet another ode to old Hollywood with Damien Chazelle's Babylon. Is this an inspired addition to a tired sum genre, or is it the latest masturbatory entry of filmmakers telling us how great and important their craft is? We'll let you know definitively. Speaking of how oh-so-important filmmakers are, we finally check Ryan Johnson's latest release, Glass Onion. We'll give you the physical media releases, our straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week, and then we'll close it all out by telling you what films we are excited for, and by extension, what you should be excited for in 2023. It's a big one, folks, so let's start the close to another podcast year with a bit of Babylon. What about you? Sorry? If you could go anywhere in the whole world, where would you go? I always want to be part of something bigger. I love that answer. Something that lasts, that means something. Something more important than life. Yes. It's written in the stars. I am a star. If I had money, I would only spend it on things that were fun, you know? Not boring things like taxes. I'm just wanting for everyone to party forever. When I first moved to L.A., signs on all the doors said, no actors or dogs allowed. I changed that. And now, y'all ready for something different? Yeah, different, I guess it's a, it's a probably a good way to, good way to put that, man. Um... So what I want to say to you, I feel like Babylon. All right. I'm going to ask you to explain what it is. Right. But I think in the <laughs> end for me, it's a, it could be like a beautiful artistic mess. Just kind of like myself. <laughs> all right. I, I identified in some capacity with this thing, but what is this movie all about, Matt? Yeah. So it's, it's, we're deep in the silent film era. It is right on the cusp of changing from the silent films to talkies. And this basically follows the lives of uh, and careers of three actors. Um, a kind of uh, classic star of the silent film area and Brad Pitt, an up and comer and Margot Robbie and, um, a young immigrant who is just trying to get his foot in the door and how all three of them collide and live their lives. All right, Matt, I want to answer your own question. So is this a self indulgent? <laughs> M word. I don't like to use that word. Uh, really? What? I mean, when did I see guys? <laughs> I never understand with Chris because he gets squeamish about some things, but then he'll say things that will just make a it will make a prison guard blush. What? You vainglorious buffoon! No, that doesn't sound like <laughs> me at all. It do, yes, it is. I, I do like on Chris's other show, Screen Run, I believe Jason from Binge Movies called out Chris for being saying some of the nastiest stuff that he can think of. <laughs> yeah, while well, he's on air, he's like cl- a pearl clutching with everything that the wand says. What? <laughs> so let's focus here. I like to, I had a whole thing set up where I was going to make a whole gag about how Babylon, um, that, that Roxy Music still has the best media title ownership of the term Babylon. Then I remember mm-hmm. it's actually called Avalon. Wow. So then I felt like an idiot. I was going to do a whole thing where I was going to be singing the whole time right now, Avalon. But then I remember as I was singing it in my head, oh, it's, it's Avalon, not Babylon, yeah. I'm a moron. Yeah. Wow. So let me ask you, Matt, again, answer your own question. Is it the masturbatory uh, little self-indulgent fest? Is there mm-hmm. some artistic expression and merit in this three-hour behemoth? What is going on with uh, Damien's Babylon? 
It's honestly both. I mean, really. I think there are long stretches of this film where I was enraptured by it. I thought it was just uh, something to behold, and I really was taken away by the film. But at other times, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I'm rolling my eyes a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of, uh, you know, talking about how the way they're comparing movies and filmmaking and all this stuff. While a cultural touchstone, it's not exactly, you know... Uh, you know, coming up with penicillin or something like that. I mean, it's not saving lives, so it's not that important, Damien. Um, but for most of this running time, I enjoyed it, even if it is, I think, indulgent, and I just think he can't help himself. But I guess it is, like you said, a, at times, fascinating artistic mess. Yeah, what I think is interesting is that Chazel's not only showing us the excess, I guess, at the time... Somewhat, I'm assuming, fictionalized. Somewhat, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he himself is indulging in that excess with this film. There are some truly incredible shots. The the scene where... Uh, is it... I don't think it's one tracking shot, is it? But the silent film kind of filming, or they're shooting mm-hmm. like five films at once, yeah. and we go through from set piece to set piece to set piece as everything kind yeah. of happens. I mean, that stuff is incredible. It's incredible work. But as I'm watching this, Matt, I'm thinking like it's just kind of just like a darker version of Singing in the Rain. But then when we hit the Tobey Maguire scene, then I start to get angry. Because okay. now, like at first, Matt, I'm thinking like, all right, well, this is I like how, I like to mix my 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 media here every now and then, right? I'm a I'm a failed artist. I like mixed media work. <laughs> so I'm thinking, all right, well, is this going to be kind of like Sandinista? Right, the cl- that long sprawling Clash album where they experiment with a whole bunch of different things, and it's a mess, mm. but it's a wonderful mm. little mess where you're gonna hear and see and experience different sounds and stuff, and it's just a weird, bizarre little self indulgent album that I, I love. But it's not; it's he's he's too self indulgent in it. And I think where where I things went off the rails for me was a Tobey Maguire scene because for mm. me, and there's some other issues I have with the film too. But at that point now, I feel like we're just watching a cover version of Boogie Nights, right? But like the Vanilla Ice cover of Under Pressure, like it's more of a sampling of Boogie Nights to then kind of Mm -hmm. make this Mm -hmm. film. But if you watch the story beats of this movie, that's exactly what this is. And it was frustrating for me at that point. And then we have some, I think, truly interesting characters that we do nothing with. Yovan Adepo and Lee Jun Lee. Who, uh, Adepo has his own little arc where he plays the, uh, trumpeter, the jazz musician, who mm-hmm. then gets his own mm-hmm. career, but we do nothing with it. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And there's just a, a quick scene about racism, you know, that is just, all right, fine. It's just, there's no heft to any of this stuff for me. And then also the Lee Jun mm-hmm. Lee character as well. Totally wasted. But when she was on screen, I was captivated by her, just as I was a depo. But I think they were criminally underused uh, in this film. And we're too busy focusing on Robbie, who, listen, she is great in this. She's pretty been great in a lot of stuff. Anybody who writes her off for any particular reason just doesn't, doesn't understand or doesn't get it. And I think she does a really good job mm-hmm. in this film. But it's just too sprawling. It's too much. And then it short shrifts two of the more interesting characters in the film where they feel just kind of like added on material. I don't know. I just, he needed at the very least an editor. At the very least. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I may have some other issues too, Matt. I don't know. Go ahead. Tell me, what do you think about Babylon there? 
Well, I think part of it, I think, you know, the Sydney and uh, Lady Faye, I think they both suffer as characters insofar as, one, I think it's intentional, obviously, because, you know, for, this is 1920s America, 1930s America, so I think there's also the undercurrent of the fact of, you know, that they are minorities. Lady Faye not only is Asian, she is, you know, a lesbian, so there's the whole kind of undercurrent of where they're just kind of immediately pushed aside, no matter how fascinating or talented that they are, and so that may be intentional, but I think that maybe giving Chazelle too much credit. I think he wants to focus on this story of Pitt, Robbie, and uh, I'm sorry, what's the other, I'm not familiar with the other. Oh, Diego Calva. Gentleman. Yeah. Calva's character that, I mean, you can only fit in so much, right? I mean, these are the things you want to focus on. And I think you're a hundred percent right that this is a silent film version of Boogie Nights. And I think where this really started to lose me was even earlier, I think. Because when you start getting into the story beats about how this system and the kind of, again, the story that we've heard a hundred times, you know, in A Star is Born and, and anything mm-hmm. else, that it's going to chew you up, it's going to spit you out, it's going to use you, and then you're gonna, it's going to toss you at the side of the road when you've got nothing left to give. And once it starts getting into that portion of the story, I've seen it. I've seen it a half a dozen times. It's nothing new. And I think that's really where it starts to, again, go off the rails. Whereas he's not saying anything that we haven't heard before. And it's like, okay, you went from a little person pogo sticking on a giant dildo that shoots out, um, like an ejaculate at the, at the beginning of the party to basically the same thing that we've seen over and over again, the fading star, the, the starlet with demons person who's in love with someone who can't, uh, who gets sucked in and brought down by that love. It's all just stuff that we've seen before. It's just nothing that's particularly groundbreaking or even done particularly well. Yeah. And there's just scenes of over the top debauchery at times, right? That basically, I mean, there's no mm. sallow moments in here, but there's some stuff that may become mm-hmm. pretty close, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's, I think he Chazel, I think does his best to illustrate kind of the madness and evil behind the studios as well with this stuff. And this, a lot of this is pre Hayes code, right? Before everything kind of shifted to be more uh, puritanical. And they, yeah. they do touch on that in the film as well. But it's too much here. I think it's what he's trying to do, though, Matt, right, is illustrate that, is the evils of the studio. But then the, the way he wraps up the film is with all of that stuff, it's still mm-hmm. magic. It's still a magical mm-hmm. experience, right? I just mm-hmm. don't think Barf. he pulls that off. I don't. Now, here's what I go back and forth on. Are we wrong? I feel like there's a chance that in 10 years, this gets reevaluated and becomes okay. kind of this misunderstood masterpiece, maybe 15, 20 years mm-hmm. down the road. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think the potential for that is there because I, I said there yeah. are moments of greatness in this. And there's just some of it is just super frustrating, underwhelming, over the top, all of this stuff. I, what do you think of that? Because I've seen kind of rumblings on that on the uh, film Twitters. That's going to be an underappreciated masterpiece. Yeah. That I, yeah. I could I could see that. I think what you're going to get, though, I think the flaws are always going to be there. So what you're going to get is people arguing and and forgiving the flaws. Like saying, okay, this is what he meant kind of thing. Or this is like what he was trying to go for. And he just... the the 
his reach just succeeded his grasp. So then it becomes like, I don't think it's something like say starship troopers where people hated it because they didn't get it. But I mean, what they set out to do in that film, they did brilliantly. Whereas this, I feel like it's, he's trying to, he's, he's trying something. He's just, it's beyond him. And I, I don't think that's necessarily fair though. I will say, you know what? If this got cheap enough, I'd probably buy it on 4K. I'd probably buy it and add it into the the collection because I I do like his work. Hmm. You know, he's a director I'd follow. If it got down to like a cheap enough, I would get it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I wonder if it's one of those things that like it improves upon multiple viewings too. If it becomes more cohesive, and I don't know. Hmm. hmm. I really liked Whiplash. Yeah. I really loved La La Land. Hmm. I First Man, fine. It's okay. But I mean, it's got its moments, and I think this is probably his biggest swing and a miss. It'll be interesting to see what it, what he what comes up. With yeah, next. with First Man too, there's a coldness and a distance in that film, right? But I chalk mm-hmm. it up to purposeful intent because that was who that character was. That you know, that was all kind mm-hmm. of he was giving you a physical experience to go along with the characters and that whole story as well. So you don't only view it, but you feel it. That's why I think the thing is successful. But the problem is, I think it has almost no rewatch value because of that. I mean, though it is visually stunning Mm -hmm. at times as well. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Maybe Chazelle just has to stay towards smaller, more personal stories like a La Land or Whiplash. Whereas if he's given too much, it's, he just doesn't know how to rein in his worst impulses for excess. Maybe. Maybe. It reminded me a bit of my boy, NWR, and his, mm. you know, succumbing to his indulgences entirely too much with his work. You know what? That is that is hilarious. So maybe there's Chazelle stands who are like your version of a winning Refn fan who are going to, you know, argue that a film that is widely considered not good is in fact good. Like that certain film that you love so much. <laughs> You know, I was thinking about it because Copenhagen Cowboy comes out like in a week on Netflix. Oh, it's it his, his first Danish film in a long time. And I guess yeah. it's a series. And uh, I still haven't watched Too Old to Die Young yet on Amazon. I watched like the first mm. 40 minutes of the first like hour plus episode. And of course, it's typical mm. Refn where it's just very drawn out. Lots of people standing around looking at each other in like these big <laughs> splashy colors. But I didn't realize it was co-written by Edward Brubaker. Mm-hmm. So, interesting. I feel like I need to give it a shot. So I'm going to finish Andor, Matt, and then I'm going to jump in yeah. and I'm going to watch Too Old to Die Young, and then right. um, we'll see audience. how that goes. So, all right, Matt, where are you going to go with Babylon? I'm right now. I'm sitting at C minus. Really? Yeah. That bad? Yeah, I was very frustrated by it, and and again, I feel like it wastes its best characters, and uh, it is it once wrote and at the same time visually i don't know i just i don't know it frustrated me matt and the whole time i'm thinking about i could be home watching boogie nights right now you're just annoyed that it was three hours long and you were watching it late on on boxing day (laughs) something like that (laughs) i'm gonna give it a really high c plus like i was on board with this for probably the good for hour of this and then it started to slowly go off the rails for me I, i i'm a Maybe as we're revisiting this as an underappreciated masterpiece in 10 years when we're still doing this, we'll be, I'll give it a B wider or something. My teeth will fall out while we're talking. (laughs) Remember? (laughs) All right. If you had a chance to see Babylon, which is currently in theaters, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, 
coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday. I could go with a clip from Black Adam, but I'm not going to do that because I couldn't find any cool Dr. Fate clips that I haven't already played. Mm. And that's really mm. the only redeeming thing about that film for me. So let's check out what Criterion is putting out in 4K. Now what? I got you at last. Bienvenue à la luna, Peroni. Your Majesty, what a great pleasure it is to see you again. May I introduce my friend Sally? Sally, King of the Moon. Well, his head at any rate. I'm sorry, you must refer to me by my complete title, King of Everything. Ray de Tutto, but you may call me Ray. You know, the moon is a very insignificant part of my domain now. There is so much, 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 much more. <laughs> my old friend, you, you seem to be in some discomfort. What ails you? Nothing ails me. Can you not see that I am at one with the cosmos? Mm. Ah. Ah. I tell you that and all you can say is ah. Ah. Matt, Cartoon is putting out The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. A Terry Gilliam film I have never seen uh, in 4K. It's a brand new Dolby Vision HDR presentation, commentary by Gilliam, a documentary in the making of film, a new video essay, deleted scenes, and a whole bunch more. There'll be a Blu-ray and a 4K set of this, Matt. Are you a Munchausen fan? Have you seen this one? I have not seen it, yeah. no. See, both of us are slacking on the job there. What else we talked about? Well, Black Adam It's going to get a steelbook from Best Buy. Walmart has a Funko Pop version. You can get a little Black Adam Funko. And you do get Dolby mm. Vision and Dolby Atmos Audio Track. Who is the Just Society History of Black Adam? I love, too, that just Johnson is pushing this thing for what? He said he worked on it for 15 years. He's pushing it for like nine months ahead of time, teasing Cable's potential return. Uh, the balance of power has shifted in the DCU and all for naught. It's over. There's no Black Adam sequel. Mm. Gunn has told him he's out. Cable is out. It's all done. And after all of that, too, it's just, yep, it's over. <laughs> Matt, the horror film Pray for the Devil is being released. It's about a nun who prepares to perform an exorcism and comes face-to-face with a demonic force and mysterious ties to her past. Includes the audio commentary and making a feature and more. James Gray, latest film, getting a lot of uh, critical buzz in a good way. Uh, Armageddon Time, featuring Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong, Anthony Hopkins and you know I cannot get on the Jeremy Strong train I think I have to watch Succession he's on that right <laughs> I don't know what it is he annoys the hell out of me as an actor though like, he was in that Guy Ritchie film that I like a lot The Gentleman the Matthew McConaughey one with the, even the guy I don't care for Charlie Hunnam who I enjoyed in that yeah and I didn't, yeah. I didn't hate mm-hmm. him in that except I think you're supposed to a little bit so I don't know what it is I can't get on the strong train I'll have to watch Succession at some point but uh, that's getting released with three featurettes and some deleted scenes. Man, it's a deeply personal coming-of-age story about the strength of family and the generational pursuit of the American dream. The System, Matt, is being released featuring Tyrese Gibson, Terrence Howard, Lil Yachty, and Jeremy Piven, another guy I can't stand. When a young soldier nearly returned from war, he gets caught up in a drug bust, Matt. He's recruited by the authorities to go undercover in a notoriously dangerous prison in order to figure out what's really going on, man. Kill, kill. Kino Lorber is releasing Sergeant Riker featuring Lee Marvin with a brand new 2K restoration as well. Matt, it just occurred to me I did not pull a straight-to-DVD pick of the week. So what should we be streaming this week? So uh, available is a film that we both quite enjoyed. The Banshees of Inner Sharon is available on HBO Max for your uncomfortable streaming pleasure. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's it. That is a good one, Matt. And he did not stall at all enough for me. So um, we're just going <laughs> to go ahead and put in a little edit. Button. I thought you were just going to skip it. I thought you were just going to skip it. That's why I went so fast. I wouldn't do that to my loving audience. Matt, the Street TV Pick of the Week, I'm going to go with Pterodactyl. A young woman travels to the mountains with her college friends in search of answers to her sister's disappearance, only to discover the prehistoric horror that dwells within, which I'm assuming are just pterodactyls. Matt, I want to ask you a quick question before we move on to uh, Glass Onion. Did you have any holiday watches? Do you have any traditional movies that you that you'll watch every year? Like for me, I watch It's a Wonderful Life every year, usually on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. I did work in mm-hmm. Bad Santa this year. Watch it spirited mm-hmm. again because Mrs. First One yeah. Run loves that film. <laughs> I did not get to watch my Black Christmas 4K though. I'm very upset about that. What about you? Okay. Yeah. So um, we usually try and do a, a slew of a, of a few of them. So we watched Elf, watched The Christmas Story, um, we watched Christmas Vacation, and I think that was pretty much it. I think we only got those three in, and it was like at the last minute. Yeah. It's crazy rush season this year. It was. But, uh, all right. Good enough for me, Matt. Let's go ahead and then spend a few minutes talking about the latest Ryan Johnson film. And he's very upset that they had to throw on a Knives Out mystery as a tagline for Glass mm. Onion. But before we uh, get started... Um, hey, pooch me. All right. Let's go ahead and hear a clip from Glass Onion. Alongside and underneath the parquet, you've been charged with a serious task. Because tonight, in this very room, a murder will be committed. My murder. You will have to closely observe the crime. Consider what you know about each other. Know that across the island I've hidden clues. Some may be helpful, some may misdirect. That's for you to determine. But if anyone can name the killer, tell me how they achieved the murder, and most importantly, what was the motive? That person wins our game. Any questions? Uh, wait, what do we win? I, what do you mean, what do you, what do you, what do you want? No, no, nothing. I just, I, I just thought maybe there was a prize or something. I, I, an iPad or like. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, no, no, the winner gets an iPad. Matt, did you want one of those, uh, Jared Leto 9% alcohol kombuchas? Mm, do I ever? Hey, booch me. That just sounds fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, booch me. What I really want, I'm a big fan of hot sauce, so I'm really looking forward to getting some rinning hot sauce. Uh, Benoit Blank returns, Matt, from the, uh, I would say, very successful Knives Out film. Daniel Craig returns mm-hmm. as the uh, titular Blank. And this time, Matt, as you heard, he's brought to this island with a whole bunch of disruptors, a whole bunch of rich folk. And they're going to do a murder mystery party, Matt. And he's somehow invited, but we don't know by who and why. But then somebody mm. actually does die. And it's up to Blank to figure it out and solve the mystery. So, as I said, I enjoyed Knives Out, Matt. I think it was a lot of fun. I'm a big fan of Ryan mm-hmm. Johnson's work. Brick is one of my favorite films. If you listen to the show with any consistency, you'll have heard me mention it. I'm sure Matt's considering throwing it into the Pantheon with Drive, so I can't <laughs> talk about it. I might have to. I might have to. But here we go, Matt. So... Glass Onion, what are your thoughts on the big film? Is this an improvement on Knives Out? Are you ready f- for this? Uh, is, uh, let me put it. All right, let me reset. Is this an improvement on Knives Out? 
yay or nay. And is it kind of a resurgence, a hopeful resurgence in like a more traditional adult fared movie that, you know, doesn't require superheroes and other fun stuff? Okay. So I would say initially, I think I did enjoy this more than Knives Out. Because the first hour or so is much more comedic. It's a lot funnier than mm-hmm. Knives Out. And I like how Benoit Blanc is giving off this kind of fish out of water bumpkin stuff. And like Craig is just like chewing up the scenery doing that. And he's, I can tell he's having a lot of fun being this kind of, uh, you know, hayseed kind of guy. And I, I had a lot of fun with that. Um, I think everybody. Between Edward Norton and Batista and Kate Hudson, they're all, you know, playing, they're all being uh, a lot of fun as the heel. I think when the actual murder mystery, it becomes much more procedural and I think much more of what I expected. And I still thought it was good. Um, but I think that is not, that part of the film is not as good as Knives Out was. So when it becomes more of a straight whodunit, it seems that it wasn't as, from what I remember, um, because it's been a while since I've seen Knives Out. I seem to prefer that side of Knives Out se- series over Glass Onion, I think. Yeah, no, you're wrong about that. Uh, Glass Onion is a, <laughs> I think, I, and I enjoyed it, but I think this is a far superior film to uh, Knives Out. Mm. This was a much more rollicking kind of fun film. I think it is, it is a lot broader. I think Daniel Craig plays Benoit a lot broader in this film. But I think they toe the line with the comedic elements where it never devolves into parody. I think that what's interesting about it is that Craig is in this, his blank is this kind of this weird, fantastical character who acts entirely like within the confines of the world that's around him. And I don't know, there's something about that I found really fun and interesting. And also all the other characters in this, all the other actors I think are, are just fantastic for him to, to bounce off of. Edward Norton doing his, I guess, I think subtle Elon Musk impersonation, mm-hmm. right? And then Janelle Monet shows up, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Kate Hudson, Dave Bautista. Let's talk about Dave Bautista. Mm. Ryan Johnson said in an interview recently that I think he is the most successful wrestler turned actor. And that he has a range and a depth of emotion that most of those actors have just been unable to relay. And I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think out of all yeah. of them that have transitioned, he has been the most engaging. He is most interesting. He can do the big action stuff. He can do comedy. I can't wait to see him in the uh, M. Night Shyamalan film that's coming out right mm-hmm. in a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was really, in- and I really enjoyed Batista in this film. And there's just a lot in this movie to enjoy. This movie is much more focused, I think, uh, has a much more focused attitude about it than I think the first film did. Mm -hmm. I think that this is clearly shot during COVID and they make, there's lots of nods to that. There's a great fun little gag with the, uh, you know, the rich people get the, uh, the antidote or some kind of protection thing that they shoot in their mouth. And I <laughs> right. love this little thing on, that I'm like, I noticed when I was watching it. Oh, that's interesting. Because Blank's character reacts differently than everybody else. And there's this thing rolling mm-hmm. around Twitter right now where a guy goes, I see you, Blank. And it, what happens is it does all the shots. And then as soon as Craig gets his shot, and then it drops like a uh, a pride flag kind of overlay over him. 
So, uh, yeah. which I think was very clever and very funny. Anyway, um, so <laughs> there's just lots of great little moments in this. There's, I don't listen. All right. Because the problem is I could talk about all the little things in here, but I don't want to spoil anything for you. Because there's a lot, there's a great little Bond Honey Rider moment in this. Yo-Yo Ma shows up that gives us a teaser of what's going to happen right yeah, in the film. Yeah. There's lots yeah. of kind of relatively big name actors who just pop in and out in this thing with quick little mm-hmm. things. And um, I want to give props to you to uh, Noah Segan, who plays Daryl. Noah's been in a bunch of Ryan Johnson's films. Um, he mm-hmm. is hilarious whenever he pops up in this. There's a Ricky Jay reference that I rather enjoyed. Right? Just a lot of stuff. And Matt, I, have, I ended up like pulling... A whole bunch. You've already heard two of the clips that I've pulled for this that may turn into regular drops. But one thing I love about Glass Onion is how put upon Craig feels, his Benoit Blanc feels about this whole thing. How upset he is about how stupid the entire enterprise is. And I found it endlessly enjoyable. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. It's brilliant. No! It's just dumb. (laughs) <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just love how angry he is by the idiocy that he is surrounded by, and I think Craig is great in this. Right, he somehow plays blank with a wink and a nod. He's very broad, very clever, very funny, but it never passes over into being cartoonish for me. Even with that kind of, and I don't know if I can even say borderline foghorn leghorn accent that he's doing in this film. So. Mm. The mystery for me, Matt, and this is almost secondary to telling a fun, interesting story that I think actually is just a little bit angry. And I really enjoyed that about this film. This movie has a point of view. It has something to say. And it is still very entertaining and fun. Yeah, I will say this, though. I did really enjoy this film. But at the same time, this was had a scene in it where if I had Ryan Johnson's number, I would have called him up and given him, hey, buddy, fuck you. Because he's got this whole scene where Edward Norton's looking straight into the camera, making eye contact with you and the viewer, and he's talking about how you gotta disrupt history and all this stuff. It felt like Ryan Johnson putting in a little critique about his, his critics about what he did to Star Wars and like how much people hate him about it and like how much he fucked all that up. He made a great movie, but he just completely derailed it and like he's completely unapologetic about it. Him kind of doing that in it was like, man, man, fuck off. Like, fuck you. <laughs> Just to, like you and your artiste stuff, go do whatever you got to do. And it was funny because like right before I saw this, he made some statement. Whereas if he didn't get to do another Star Wars movie, he would feel really bad about that. I'm like, you know what? Whatever. <laughs> I think I don't. Listen, I get what you're saying. I hear you. I just don't care. And I feel like the, I think the script still works as well, talking about the, generally the influencers and the whole thing about disrupting the markets and how you, if you really think about it and if you care about people at all, you can't do that, right? And I don't know. I just, I loved just how funny and how angry the film is. I started watching it, Matt, a second time as well. I'm about a third of the way through it. And it's fun mm-hmm. having now the, the, uh, the knowledge, how everything plays out. And the first half of it, all that stuff, it starts to play out almost entirely differently when you know actually what's happening the whole time. And it's a really interesting experience to kind of watch it that second time. I know it's feel you're basically living the Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood meme where you keep kind of sitting up and pointing, 
Like, oh, that's what that happens. That's what this means. Oh, that's what that was. That type of thing. But yeah. it's still, yeah. uh, it's still fun, Matt. It's yeah. I don't know what else to tell you, brother. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I again, I had a lot of fun with it. I guess I'm just not as, you know, I mean, Ryan Johnson thinks he's too clever by half, and you know, whatever. You know, I'm not going to disagree with that. I'm not. But it still works for me. Glass Onion, Matt, one of my favorite mm. films of the year. I'm giving it an A. Yep. What? An Absolutely. A? I had a blast with this. Nah. I had a blast with Daniel Craig, Janelle Monet, everybody. It's probably the most fun I had at the, well, in my chair this this year watching yeah. movies. That is bullshit. It is not. The, I don't even see how that's possible that it's the most fun that you've had in your in your movie seat. All year I long. think so. Anyway, you know, here's the thing. Chris Scalzo is your podcast grandpa. Like, he likes these kind of whodunit mysteries. Like, he was really excited about the Poro, uh, you know, the Agatha Christie uh, murder on the Orient Express. This is right in his bag. This is his wheelhouse. Not so much my wheelhouse. I still enjoyed it. It's a B-plus film. It's good. It's really good. But it's not an A film. Let's calm down. No, you are absolutely wrong about that. You vainglorious <laughs> buffoon. I mean, it, if any of us are going to be called vainglorious, come on. You know what, Matt? It's a dangerous thing to mistake speaking without thought for speaking the truth. Don't you think? That's you. All right? You're speaking without thought. Mm-hmm. You're not speaking the truth. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. If you say so. It's getting a little confrontation in here. <sighs> What's the point? All right. That's not even the one I wanted to play. I wanted to play this one for you. Call it, call it, crackhead. I'm, I'm remixing it. Call it, call it, call it, call it, call it, crackhead. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Fine. What are your thoughts? Class Onion is currently available on Netflix. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. I'm even angrier now, Matt, that I did not get a chance to see it in the theater. I'm sorry. Angry. I'm going through. I'm I'm on our website right now, thefirstrun.com, and I'm going through it here. I'm trying to see something I enjoyed more while I was watching it in my movie chair in my house. RRR may be up in there. In your house? But I don't know. Huh? In your yeah. house? Is that the criteria? Not in the, the theater seats? Yeah, I, I think Maverick may have been the most entertaining experience yeah. all around. In the, that was the most fun I've had watching a movie in the Dolby year. and such like that. Yeah, yeah but that's all, that was like an experience in my movie <laughs> chair in my house. Though that might be uh, mm-hmm. might be my boy Benoit Blanc. I can't wait for another one too. I love too. He's got this. Everybody seems to want to do one of these too. So that seems it's going to be really interesting. To see what happens in uh, part three. And I hope he makes one of these like every five to six years until it kicks. I would really uh, mm. like to see that. So thanks. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Rye. We'll see you all soon, hopefully. Matt, let's go ahead and close out the big show and talk about our 10 most anticipated films for next year. So far, I mean, stuff will get announced, things will change. But what we know of, this is what we're looking forward to the most. And when I saw this, Matt, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, we're going to do this again. Hello, Reagan. I'm a friend of your mother's. I'd like to help you. You want to loosen the straps, huh? I'm afraid you might hurt yourself, Reagan. I'm not Reagan. I see. Well, then, let's introduce ourselves. 
I'm Damien Carroll's. And I ain't that devil. Now kindly undo these straps. If you're the devil, why not make the straps disappear? That's much too vulgar display of power, Carroll's. Where's Reagan? In here with us. Show me Reagan and I'll loosen one of the straps. And you're helping old altar boy, father. Your mother's in here with his cars. Would you like to leave a message? I see that she gets it. That's right. David Gordon Green, I guess, is planning a trilogy sequel mm. to It's a Wonderful Life. No, that's The uh, the Exorcist. In fact, Ellen Burstyn's <laughs> supposed to be returning. I haven't heard anything yeah. about Linda Blair. But Burstyn supposedly is I, back. I can't imagine Blair would come I back. So, but that's coming out October 13th. And listen, I think the Halloween trilogy thing was more successful than I anticipated it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess not if you compare it to most of the sequels in that series, but still. Right, right. I don't know, Matt. What are your thoughts on this? I'm morbidly curious to see what it is, but it seems like you're going to mess with what's considered one of the best horror films ever. I mean, Halloween is is a classic, and it is a, a you know it's it set up a form, but it's still just a slasher movie. Whereas this, I think, is I don't know, man. I think it's something they shouldn't mess yeah, with. I rewatched it too uh, this past October for the for the season, and it, that sucker mm-hmm. still holds up, man. Scary I've seen that movie probably seven, eight times, and it still gets to you. So, all right, Matt, start us off. What's the number ten film you're most excited to see next year? So I really struggled with this. There was a lot that dropped in and out. Um, So I I think I had to pull an audible at the very last second. I think I'm going to put in um, Renfield Mm. set to come out in April of 2023. Nick Cage as Dracula, which is really the entire selling point for me, um, where I think it will be either a piece of sublime uh, of overacting on Cage's part, or it'll be a complete disaster. But either way, I'm on board. Yeah, that was an honorable mention for me. Um, kind of curious mm. to see how that's going to shake out. That could be a weird and wild one. Uh, first off, I had my, my number 11 was whatever Neon Pictures does this year, next year. I'm sure they're going to put out mm. a couple mm. things, but their slate was a little unclear to me. So I'll have to see how that mm. shakes out. So my number 10 is Kelly Reichardt and Michelle Williams reteaming for showing up, coming out May 27th about a sculptor who's preparing to open a new show, Matt, and she's got to balance her life with her daily dramas of her family and friends. But uh, I have always loved Kelly Reichardt's films. Was it First Cow was the last thing we saw her do, which was a beautifully understated film. And she's back with Michelle Williams, so I'm really curious to see uh, what happens with uh, this one. So that's my time. Okay. All right. Um, Number nine, I really struggled to put this on here, but I'm cautiously optimistic. It's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, Harrison Ford's back. We got uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I really hated Crystal Skull a lot, uh, but the trailer has me uh, has me optimistic. It has me cautiously optimistic that I'm going to enjoy this, so we'll just have mm-hmm. to see. Mm-hmm. My number nine, then, Matt, is uh, by a director whose film deeply unsettled me, and I found almost mm. offensive. I ended up buying it because it was like on sale for five bucks digitally on iTunes. I have yet to rewatch mm-hmm. it. But Brandon Cronenberg's okay. Infinity Pool coming out January 27th featuring Mia Goth. Um, I am morbidly curious about this one, but it's like you said about mm-hmm. The Exorcist. There's something about, because I know I'm going to get weird 
at the very least, I'm going to get very unsettling. And it is sometimes a place I like to live. So I am curious. I watched a trailer for this, and it looks just as badass insane as I hoped it would. So mm-hmm. uh, I will be in line for some Infinity Pool. That's my number nine. Yeah, that was an honorable mention for me. Um, hey, neon horror film. That's part of the slate. So ah, there, there you we go. go. Perfect. Yeah. Um, all right. So my number eight, um, and, and I, I apologize. I'm obviously the the. Uh, this is mostly going to be sequels and, and franchise films. Sorry, guys. Sorry, not sorry. But uh, my number eight is is uh, Shazam: Fury of the Gods. I really enjoyed the Shazam film. I thought it was for a long time. It was my favorite of the kind of DCU films, and I think if you take out the Batman, it probably still is for my money. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see what they follow this up with. Cause this was supposed to be out, I think last year, um, or maybe even, yeah, I think it's supposed to have been out for a while. It's been pushed back a few times. So we'll see. What yeah. We get. Honorable mention for me. In fact, I'm going to spoil part of my list right now. I have no superhero films in my top 10. I did not expect anything less from you. So I've got you guys covered for superhero films. Don't worry. Thanks for coming through. My number eight then, and I'm kind of surprised how low this is on my list, but I just don't know. I don't know. I liked Lee Cronin's Hole in the Ground. I think it had potential. I think it was interesting, though ultimately not successful. So his his film, Evil Dead Rise, which comes out April 21st, uh, mm-hmm. but I guess two young girls who find the Necronomicon in, in their apartment building and summon the dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Listen, it's an Evil Dead film produced by Robert Tappert, right? So I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm nervous, but I'm hoping I'm going to enjoy it. And the only reason why it is in my number eight, even though it's not Fidi Alvarez, I still think that Evil Dead reboot, sequel, whatever the hell that thing is, is great. So if we mm-hmm. can get something on par with that, then I'll be happy. So that's why it's my eight. Yeah, it was an honorable mention for me. I think there was just so little information mm-hmm. on there, I couldn't put it on the list. Um, all right, so my number seven then is my. There were a lot of choices. I hate. Everybody knows I hate biopics. So there are three biopics supposedly coming out by great directors next year. Um, Ridley Scott's doing a Napoleon biopic. Apparently, there's going to be a Scorsese Teddy Roosevelt yep. biopic that's supposed to come out next year. But I went with Christopher Nolan's. Uh, Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer biopic about the, uh, you know, de facto creator of the atomic bomb that's supposed to come out, uh, July 2023. Um, Nolan, he's, uh, had some misses as of late. I don't think we were super impressed with Tenant, uh, but I'm curious to see what he has. Uh, I'm always curious to see what he puts out there because at least it's going to be visually interesting. Yeah, no, that's a good pick, Matt. Napoleon is an honorable mention for me as well, as was Roosevelt. So I uh, know those are mm. all good. So my number seven, and I can't believe it's this high, but I was really impressed with that trailer as well. And the de-aging tech looked fantastic to me. And if we're going to mm. be doing mm-hmm. flashbacks, we can see some vintage indie then. Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny is my seven coming out June 30th. Phoebe Waller-Bridges, too, who I, who I love. I think she's fantastic. She's very funny. So I'm looking forward to that. James Mangold, who did do what? Logan, right? Which is one of your favorite mm-hmm. superhero films. Yep. So I'm more optimistic about this than I was previously. I think even we did a call-it segment a couple weeks ago where we talked about would you 
go with Dial or would you just stick with Crystal if you could only have one or the other? And I stood, mm-hmm. I stuck with the devil I knew. And yeah. um, I don't know. We'll have to see how it shakes out. But yeah, Indy 5 is my 7. All right. Um, so what are we at here? Six. Uh, number 6. All right. So my number 6 then is... No, oh, wait a minute. I think uh, I think I put one too many on here. So Whoopsie. I'm gonna have to make a make a make an audible here. Um, so my number six then is the new film from Wes Anderson, Asteroid City. Um, not a whole lot of information about it, but apparently it's about a young stargazer convention that is disrupted by a world changing event. What that world changing event is, they're not saying, but I'm on board because the cast is huge. I like Wes Anderson. And, yeah. um, I mean, sci-fi trappings possibly. Uh, so I'm, I'm all here for it. Yeah. Honorable mention for me as well. That's a good one, Matt. My number six then is Bo is Afraid, uh, supposedly coming out in 2023. TBD, what exact date? This is Ari Aster's newest film featuring Joaquin Phoenix. And it's described as a decade spanning surrealist horror film set in an alternate present. So uh, Phoenix plays an extremely anxious but pleasant-looking man who has a fraught relationship with his overbearing mother and never knew his father. His mom dies, Matt, and he makes a journey home that involves some wild, supernatural threats. So I've loved Mm. both of Astor's films. This seems to be a departure from the traditional, just for me, I think at times terrifying horror films that he's put out before. But teaming with Joaquin Phoenix, I'd love to see what Astor has coming up next. So Bo is Afraid is my number six. TBD on that date. All right. Uh, my number five then is uh, Dune Part Two. I'm really all about seeing number five, that huh? Villanova. Yeah, yeah. That he gets to complete what he set out to 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 create. I mean, I don't think we're going to get any more because Dune gets really, really weird as we kind of go into other books. Um, but you know, I'm really looking forward to how he wraps this thing up because the first one was gorgeous and I I really enjoyed it so. I'm I'm glad that he's at least going to get to put out the second part. I'm surprised it's so high, I guess, for like everybody to turn on your list. I thought it would have been top three. So my number five, then, you already mentioned Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Uh, For the longest time, he would have been in my top three. I think I've been, you know, not quite as jazzed for Nolan's films as of late. They're still good, rock solid, but they've stopped being the spectacle my God, what is he going to come up with next? This cinematic genius that I used to think he was. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. still, content-wise, is something I'm really interested in seeing and seeing what he does with it. So Oppenheimer's my five. All right. Um, so my number four is probably going to be the most controversial pick for Chris, but I'm a big fan of the uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp series. I thought they were pretty good. Um so I'm looking forward to Quantumania. Uh, I think MCU, when it gets weird, I think it gets, re- I think it really kind of gets into that sweet spot. We're going to get the official, I think, full on Kang. Um, we saw him in the, in his complete, uh, green and purple glory and Micronauts, all kinds of, uh, micro weirdness. I'm, I'm here for it. Micronauts are in that. I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure they are. I think there's a, um, there's a shot in the trailer where there's, you know, a bunch of people who live in the quantum universe. I think some of them were my Interesting. Yeah, I'm honorable mention for me. The only reason why I'm remotely excited about it is is Majors is Kang. Kang's one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorites. So I'm really interested in seeing 
what he does with the role after what you know was that Loki season, which was interesting. So my number four, it was a big surprise to me, Matt, when I was putting this list together. I was shocked that I had this this high up. But I think I enjoyed Pearl so much that I was curious to see what Ty West was going to do with Maxine, with Mia Goth returning as Maxine. Because this one's set in the 80s, right? Which is even more in my wheelhouse. (laughs) So I am really excited to see uh, how he wraps up this trilogy. Again, X was a little underwhelming for me, but I loved Pearl. So I really can't wait to see what Mia Goth does when she wraps this whole thing up. Number four, huh? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Ask me tomorrow. It may be like number 12. (laughs) But uh, yeah, right now it's number four. All right. Um, All right. So my number three then is my the next entry in my favorite straight up action fit series uh, of the past 10 years. And that's uh, John wick chapter four. I'm a big, I'm a big uh, sucker for these films. I don't know why I enjoy them so much, but I think they're a hell of a lot of fun. Keanu's getting a little up there. He's moving a little slow. He's a little stiff, but uh, I'm still, I'm still buying into what he's selling. Yeah. It's my number three as well. John wick chapter four. Mm. Uh, I cannot Mm. wait to see it as well. I think there's supposed to be more sword fighting in this one. So that'll be fun to look forward to. But uh, yeah, I consistently entertaining series, maybe reduced returns as we go, but we're talking like, mm-hmm. you know, A, a little lower A, maybe an A minus, <laughs> you know, so it's still endlessly entertaining. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. Well, then my number two then is uh, Guardians 3, where Gunn is doing his last bow before he- leaving the MCU. We're going to see what he does with this. I think the... Uh, scuttlebutt is that he's some of these characters are going to die. I think it's pretty safe money from Vegas is that it's going to be Bautista, but we'll have to see who else. I wouldn't doubt it if Cooper is gone as well. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to see how this all plays out. And who's it's a high evolutionary is of any is a video villain for that, right? I believe it is. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I haven't looked into a whole lot of I'm trying to keep most of it as I try to keep most of my information as little as possible, and it wasn't very. I wasn't really sure by watching the trailer who was the main ah, guy. Sorry guy. to spoil that for you there. That's okay. <laughs> so uh, my number two then is Alex Garland, potentially his last film he's going to direct. He went right from then to this. So it could be he's just a little gassed and he wants to take some time, but he mm-hmm. says he wants to get back to screenwriting. But he's got a new film, Matt, called Civil War that was mm-hmm. filming earlier in January, I believe, or March in Atlanta, then shift to London in May. And all we know, basically, that it's set in the near future. There's four people in our car are trying to figure out what's going on with this new Civil War. And that's all that's been kind of released about it yet. But I love Garland's work. I think Annihilation is still one of the more disturbing, enchanting, really, films of the past 10 years. It's a movie that's really weird and sticks to you. And I, I don't know. I'm really fascinated to see what this is going to be about, especially if this, if he's thinking of hanging up his directing you know, um, what, boots, arms, chairs, hats, the big megaphone that they yell into. <laughs> Either way, Civil War is my number two. No date, though, on that. It may not even come out this okay. year, but right. uh, it's rumored maybe end of the year. So we'll see. Okay. All right. Well, my number one, then, is the sequel to maybe one of my favorite superhero films ever, which is uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh I'm I'm all here for it. I watched the trailer, the full trailer, 
right before we did this, I mean, you get uh, Oscar Isaac as uh, Spider-Man 2099. You can see all the little other Spider-Men that are into this. And as someone who grew up reading it, um, man, I'm really excited for it because I was surprised at how much I liked the original entry. And I'm hoping I like this one as much. Very good, Matt. Well, that is a good pick. Honorable mention for me. I am looking forward to it, though. But my number one is the penultimate chap- penultimate final chapter in, I think, the most consistent action franchise of the past 25 years, if not, you know, which is Mission Impossible. McCory, um, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise reunite one last time. I guess they filmed them, them two back-to-back. And it's supposed to be the big end to Ethan Hunt's story. I guess the bad guy from the first film, uh, was it Henry Zerny? He's coming back. Not the bad, he wasn't the bad guy, but he was the head or one of the big CIA chief guys from the first movie. He's going to be back in this one as well. I, I don't know who else is, but it's supposed to be big, crazy, over the top stunts. Cruz hasn't lost any limbs yet, so that's good. But Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning coming out on July 14th. Um, John Wick's have all been good, but I'm telling you. And the James Bond films with Craig have all been pretty solid. But no yeah. franchise has been as consistently strong and entertaining as the Mission Impossible ones. Even And they're all like, a lot of times they're different, too. Like, the first one's more of a spy thriller. The second one is, like, just pure John Woo gold, right? And then you have yeah. Abrams 3, which kind of revitalizes the franchise a bit. Then Brad Bird comes in with Ghost Protocol, which I still think is the best one in the series. And mm. then the most recent one, too, which was fantastic. So closing it out, Dead Reckoning, one more after that. But that's my number one. Was on my list. That's when I realized I had too many, so I had to make it audible and skip it. But it would definitely, I would push Renfield out, and it would probably be in the middle of the pack around six. Seven, Fair enough. Somewhere. That's good. Any honorable yeah. mentions for you? Uh, there's an Adam Driver sci-fi dinosaur movie called mm-hmm. 65 that's coming out, apparently. Um, weirdly, I'm curious to watch the Greta Gerwig Barbie yep. movie. I feel like I'm either going to love it or I'm going to hate it. And I think there's going to be little in between with that. Um, morbidly curious to hear it see Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. It's a sci-fi action film that he's got coming out. I don't know anything about it, but again, morbidly curious. Also in the morbidly curious, uh, the Flash. Uh, yeah. Still want to see uh, Michael Keaton reprise his role as Batman, but that looks like it's the only place we're going to get it. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, and apparently, supposedly, Mad Max: The Wasteland, which is a story about Tom Hardy's Mad Max, is supposed to come out before Furiosa in 2023 because they pushed Furiosa to 2020. I have not heard about this at all. Is it animated or is it like Tom Hardy? No, no, no. It was apparently that was the that was the that was the goal. Furiosa was going to come out after the next Mad Max entry, and those were going to be his last two films. But I guess he filmed Furiosa first. And that just got pushed to 2024. Now, whether it actually even happens in 2023, that seems to be up for debate because apparently I'm getting conflicting information whether it's even... Some say it's in production now. Others are saying it hasn't even started yet. So we'll have to see. Huh. Wait. So which one's... So The Wasteland. Yeah, I see it here. Yeah. It says 2023 film on Google. Um, here's the most recent movie web, something from just eight days ago. There's no signs of it being in production yet. 
Because that would easily be in my top ten. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason it wasn't is because I'm not sure it's coming out next year. It's very, it's full of a lot of conflicting information. But <clears throat> we know Furiosa is done, but they pushed it to 2024. Interesting. I know there's the lawsuit about the whole budget thing. I guess he was supposed to get like a nine million dollar, even says your bonus, if it came in under budget yeah. and it did. But Warner Brothers says it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of stuff. Jeez. I had no idea this thing even existed. If it even yeah. exists. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. All right. Okay. Um, anything you didn't mention on my list? Mm, no. Oh, True Love. Uh, Gareth Edwards returns on October 6th with a kind of sci-fi okay. action romance type thing. And then Rose Glass, who did St. Maud. Has a new film mm-hmm. out called Love Lies Bleeding, which I guess is a lesbian bodybuilding drama with uh, Kristen Stewart, Ed Harris, Jenna Malone. And um, I did do my obligatory Nicholas Winding Refn mention of Cow- Copenhagen Cowboy. So that's good. I got that in. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. What are you looking forward to, folks? What did we miss? Show us an email at feedback at com. I had no idea. So is it like a direct sequel with... Yes. Well, it's it's but it's it's a sequel that has Max in it. It it maxes at least, you know, a co-lead character and Tom Hardy's supposed to is supposed to come back. What about Theron? Is Charlize in that one too? No. No. Cuz it says I mean, Google has the cast as Tom Hardy, Charlize Theron, Yaha Abdul-Mateen no. second, Anya Taylor-Joy, Chris Hemsworth, Nicholas Holt. So well, how could Nicholas Hall? Because he's dead. That's a good point. I don't know. Maybe it's a fly. I don't know. Well, you know, it's on the internet, so it has to be true. <laughs> I can't post things that are not That's true. That's right. It's like Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. said. Don't believe everything you see on the internet. Uh, all right, Matt. Let's go ahead. Uh, what's coming up next week on The Big Shoe? Uh, so we're doing Bardo, correct? I think so. I feel like I, I haven't okay. watched enough three-hour movies. So, yeah. I want to get one more. Well, yes. Okay, and what was the other I one? I think we... Aronofsky's The Whale, Brandon Fraser. The Whale, right. His triumphant mm-hmm. return, yes. though Aronofsky's a mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think that's what we're sitting on. And then we want to do After Sun at some point as well. And there's still a bunch of stuff. I think Marlowe got pushed back to next year. That's a Liam Neeson take on Philip Marlowe. Um, return to Soul, I hear good things about. She said I still want to see EO, about the donkey movie. Have you heard about that at all? No. Fair enough. No. But I mean, here's the thing. There's Jack coming out in, in January, so we'll have plenty of time to catch up with those prestige. What about pictures. Megan, though? Megan's coming out, right? <laughs> yeah, it looks great. Megan does look great. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I do. So? I think Megan's going to be a blast. All right. Well, maybe we'll have to watch it because I have zero expectations, so we'll just have to see which one we'll, is right. Maybe. Oh, we're watching Megan. <laughs> In the meantime, you can find us at thefirstrun.com. You can find archives of all the old shows, a report card, and more. I gotta update that thing. Just too damn busy. I've gotta get an intern. Uh, what else? YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, f- Facebook. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you'll find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Is that what it's called now? And uh, give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And uh, that's it, Matt. So go ahead, take an extended break. I hope you all had a good holiday season. We love you very much. We'll see you soon. Take care.
You have a Google alert for the word movie? I like movies. Don't hate.